When we dare to care, then we discover that nothing human is foreign to us, but that all the hatred and love, cruelty and compassion, fear and joy can be found in our own hearts. Henry Nouwen Bending Not Breaking The Dragon Prince Edition Episode 3 Moonrise And we're back again for another episode of Bending Not Breaking. This is Ben Pruitt, and I am really excited to have you for episode three of this semi-new segment of Bending Not Breaking. And my co-host Sunshine and I have three seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender with special guests, including authors, voice actors, mental health professionals, and more. And if you'd like these episodes, if you do like these episodes on the Dragon Prince, then I'm really hopeful that you'll enjoy those episodes around Avatar The Last Airbender as well. Also, we have The Legend of Korra coming soon, so after this mini-series on Season 1 of Dragon Prince, The Legend of Korra is coming, and we'll hope you'll join us for that as well. For now, though, let's dive into this truly special episode of The Dragon Prince, because there is so much that happens in this episode, and I just I can't wait to, to tackle it with you all. Remember, this is a spoiler-filled podcast, but we will do our best to focus primarily on the episode, which is episode three of season one, Moonrise with a Lens of Caregiving. So caregiving as a lens is interesting because most of the time when we think about care, it's the type of care we receive, the type of care we want to give. But when you think about caregiving as a unit, as something that we want to do, it becomes a little mired in, what do you think of when you think of caregiving? For me, I think of taking care of people who cannot control or care for themselves. And that, to me, is uh, rife with terrifying nuance. And so I want to kind of break it down a little bit. And I have found myself in positions of caregiving that I haven't really been ready for and I've struggled with. And I want to tell you about one. I want to tell you about Kali. Kali, K-A-L-I, is my 120-pound South African borble. That's a dog, F-Y-I, a lot like a mastiff. And she's a really sweet dog. She is, like, pretty great at snuggling. And when she's tired, uh, she's good at snuggling, I should say. When she is excited, she is the worst snuggler. Anything less than tired, really, actually. And she's a complete pain to snuggle with. But that's beside the point. So, anyway, just before... Uh, the holiday season in 2019, Kali got sick, and she'd been coughing for a week or so, but I was in between jobs, and I was saving up for school, and I really dreaded going to the vet. It was a terrifying thing for me because those expenses rack up quickly. And she was still eating well and plenty excited and playful, and so I just I waited to see if it would pass. Unfortunately, it got to the point where she didn't want to get up, she stopped playing, she started to eat slowly, and that's when I knew I had to go to the vet. And so I buckled down and, and took her in. And so the doctor did their exam, and they weren't sure what was going wrong. They said, if anything gets worse, bring her back in. But I knew something was up. I knew something was wrong. I, 
I feel like this is a common trope, but like, I know my dog and this is not normal. And like, I, I just, it was because we were in a new place and her adrenaline had kicked up, uh, cooked in rather to cover up what was happening. Like they, they asked if there were any other, anything else that we might want to do while she was there. And I said, we might as well get her, her checkup. And they walked her back to weigh her and they heard her cough and then listened to her lungs and the walk back to the weight, which was like a hundred feet, uh, had, had done what it needed to do. And they could now hear what was going on in her lungs. And it turns out <laughs> that she had pneumonia and she needed medication right away. And they explained that there were probably tests and potentially surgery and like, oh my goodness. I was, I was like, oh, um, that's a technical term for terrified. And in short, over the next four months, I spent way more money than I should have trying to keep her alive. And at the end of that, I was at my limit. Uh, I actually told my friend that if the next treatment didn't work, I would have to let her go because I couldn't afford to keep paying her medical costs and have any sort of savings for school. Not to mention pets in general have a demand, right, of cost. Like feeding her is a minimum of $100 a month alone, much less like, you know, time investment, time training, time walking, time, time loving, time cleaning after her. Oh my God, she's a gross thing. Anyway, that's, again, I digress. What, what I had lost what would become a significant portion of money <laughs> and I just, I, I made the choice to sacrifice the security of my future for the life of my pet. And I had come to the limit. And there are others that would have spent a great deal more. And there are others that still, that don't have the capacity to spend half of what I spent on a pet. It's a, like, it, a, like, unfortunately, it's a luxury. And I think what pains me is that people experience this with their loved ones each day, wondering what they might do to pay for the care that they deserve. And I wonder how many people each day are caught in the decision of whether to care for another or to care for themselves. If I'm sick, who will be in the position to make that choice for me? How will I react when it is my parents or my siblings or my friends in need? Hopefully, I can learn more by engaging with this episode of The Dragon Prince. And so I, I want to learn about caregiving and, and the choices caregiving gives us by looking at this episode. Ooh, so Kali's fine now, by the way. We eventually found the right medicine after a lot, and uh, she, she was fine. That last thing uh, turned out to be the right thing, and so she is happily making noise in the background of several of these podcasts. But for now, it is time to recap the episode and make sure that we are all on the same page. So I'm going to do my best to do it as quickly as I can, catch all the big details, and bring us all to a nice, solid recap. Are you ready? I am, because that's really all that matters. And three, two, one. Okay, so there's really the stoic march of the king and to his room with Soren and the guards and the pit the bird gives really good bird kisses and Viren said he would stand by him in such like in this kind of a situation and Viren says he needs to be the man that Hera thought he once was and then Claudia was like, oh my goodness, there's a passageway with Callum's note. Oh my god. Turns out she knew about the egg. How dare her. Egg, Ez and then Callum choose Rayla and the egg over Claudia but then she sends shadow wolves after the group and Callum is a mage and he defends them and Viren is prepared to do anything to save Hera. They fight. They're mad. Rayla and Runan 
fight to save the egg. Callum goes to Harrow. Viren steals his voice, a la Mermaid, Little Mermaid, and then the trio and Bait leave with the egg, and then Runa's captured, and then Harrow is dead. <gasps> Allegedly. Oh, man. Okay, so, yeah, that's my recap. I would love to hear yours. Send it in. I, you know, it could just be a fun little exercise. Just try it. We want to hear it. Uh, you never know. It could be better than mine. And matter of fact, I would probably bet money that it was better than mine, but it is what it is. Okay, 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 okay. Time for the bulk of the episode. Uh, so our top five for caring, but really, before we go into our top five, I kind of want to lift up the etymology of the word care. Like, what is the origin of the word care? And care, as it turns out, uh, is... Like, the origin is High Germanic, and it's kara, which means to lament, it means to mourn, to participate in suffering, to share in pain. And that's not usually what I think of in terms of care. I, I usually think of, like, the you know, the bright and fluffy side, like caring being a, a happy thing. And so to consider this taking part in lament, the, the mourning, the suffering... It really expands what we might consider as care, and I and I wonder how that will affect uh, our our lens as we kind of look at this episode. So, number one, uh, again, not in any particular order, but number one for me is there's this beginning where Harrow is preparing for the impending danger. And there are so many guards that are looking after him. There, there, there are sentries around the entire balcony. They're in front of his doorway. And Soren is with them. And it just reminds me a little bit of, of the Secret Service. And the job of the Secret Service is to protect the president, or a, the king in this case, at all costs. And their job is li like literally to, if the bullet is coming, their job is to jump in front of the bullet and take a bullet for the president or for the king. And to think about that as a form of caregiving really is striking because what are we being asked of? Like, what is the, the depth of care that is being asked of us as someone who is taking care of, the, of our loved ones? And, you know, I, I've been asked, would you, like, would you, who would you take a bullet for? And that's a really interesting, like, I find somewhat problematic question because is that really the standard of... <laughs> Is that the standard we want to set for caregiving? Like, to say that I would be willing to give my life for someone? And I'm not saying that there aren't people for whom I would take a bullet for, but I, I just, I wonder if we are kind of romanticizing the, the limit of caregiving, and I wonder what that looks like for us. And I don't know, where's the limit there? Where are the boundaries? Is it something that we can kind of tap into and kind of question when someone makes that demand of us when someone says like i would take a bullet for you what it is that that could be really kind of anything it could be everything from gaslighting to really touching and i just i think it's really dependent upon how it's phrased how it's used what it's like and I just, I want to put that out there into the world. That's something that I, I thought of when I when I saw that, that opening scene with really all of the stoic music, and that's what came to my mind. Okay. All right, number two. Number two for me is Pip and Harrow's relationship. Again, and this kind of is harking back to just this concept of how we caregive for pets. It's kind of interesting how much we love our pets. <laughs> like, they're... 
they are literally dependent on us in every way. We're responsible for them in terms of their housing, we're responsible for their food, we're responsible for all of the costs that come with keeping them healthy, the the effort, the energy, the time required that is uh, necessary to take care of them well. And as mentioned with my dog, it's interesting how we willingly engage with this. Like, who is willing to uh, take on this responsibility of, well, this could turn into a several thousand dollar investment. And there's there's so much in that. Like, why do we do this? And I, I think about, like, what has having a pet done for me? What Like, what is it, what has it taught me? What has it given me? And, uh, like... When I think about it, I know that if I ever have the opportunity, should I ever be blessed with the opportunity to have children, I I know that I'll be a better parent having had a pet. And, you know, Kylie's not my first dog. She's not my first pet by any means. And I think simply being in the position to make choices like I have with my pets has me better equipped to handle how I might be responsible for human beings. And it's not ju- just that. It's not, I'm not going to equate like raising children to raising pets, even though there are a lot of similarities. But uh, anyway, that's, again, I digress. I think thinking about how much we love pets kind of gives us a window into what loss and grief might look like also. Like whenever we lose pets, whenever we engage with that, it's it's teaching us something and it's giving us emotional bandwidth. It's giving us way more I think than we realize so if, if you have uh, an idea of what it's like to have a pet and if you can analyze Pip and Harrow's relationship I'd, I'd love to hear how caregiving and taking care of pets uh, resonates with you what is that like what have you received what do you, what makes it worth it I'm, I'm really curious okay number three so Claudia in the moment is is in this like trapped between caring for the egg and really wanting the egg to be safe but also is is in this position of giving care to alum and ezrin while rayla is interested in in caregiving for the egg uh, from a just from a different angle and they're they're both engaging in in battle here because of how much they care for something in this moment and it's interesting to me when we put ourselves on the line when we care about something that is at risk. Like, we, we, we put things on the line that we're willing to sacrifice in order to save the most important things. How do we prioritize and how do we rank the things that we care about? Like, Claudia literally sends shadow wolves and I'm, I, I, I can't tell if it's to save the egg or if it's to save the boys, or is it both? Because like, in, in my head, which one does she care about more? And, like, honestly, honestly, I believe in this moment, at least in this moment in time, she cares more about these boys than she does for this egg. But I I, I do wonder, like, she's known that clearly by, by her exclamation, it's clear that she knew about the egg ahead of time. And so it's just interesting to think about how when we care so much for something, caregiving sometimes is is defending it but then also caregiving sometimes is letting things go and if you love it enough uh then you're willing to let it go kind of a deal and i'm curious about thinking about that a little bit more it has this has definitely lifted that uh question up for me 
And so I, I wanted to lift it up for you, and I wanted to see what y'all's thoughts were on on this moment of of caregiving. And that brings us to my my four, my number four spot for the caregiving lens. This number four is reserved for the the moment where Viren visits Harrow for the second time, and. He, he before this he said i'm prepared to do anything to protect the king anything and i wonder is it considered caregiving if the receiving party doesn't wish to receive your care and i think that's a pretty loaded question i think that that can be yes and no uh but i, I let me tell you a quick story about how it was caregiving for me, at least hindsight. And my my dad has experienced a, a tough bout of um, alcoholism and has struggled with that. And there was there came a moment in time where he was no longer able to take care of himself. He was living alone. He's uh, at the pretty old age. And so he had had hips replaced, knees replaced, and he was in pain and unable to move, but he never reached out to anyone, and so nobody really knew that he was in trouble. Um, until we found several empty bottles of vodka, we found the the whole kitchen was entirely disgusting, we had to clean the whole house for him, and then we made the decision to start making moves to get him into an assisted living facility. And this was the a moment in time when I started going back to therapy because I was the one responsible for this out of out of all the siblings. I, I I seemed to be the one who had earned this right to take care of my father. And it was really challenging. It was very challenging to, to be in a position where someone who took care of you now needs needs help and i had never been put in that situation before i had i have been fiercely independent my entire life trying to make ends meet and not need help and to be in a position to receive care is oh god it's just it's terrifying and so the fact that he didn't ask for help really makes me feel it makes me question my own methods and my own thoughts. Like, what, what would I have done? How would I have done that differently? And there's a lot there. There's a lot to think about. But this, um, to bring it back to Viren and Harrow, like, I'm prepared to do anything to protect the king. And we don't get to see exactly what he does. We see him go in the room. We see them fight. And then we see him exit. And we don't know what happened in between. And I wonder what how Harrow responded to that. I wonder if he's resentful. I wonder if he, in his last moments, if he is dead, was completely resentful of Viren. I wonder if he might be alive. And I guess we'll have to see because I'm not sure. But I just, I hope that we can identify how to move forward collectively rather than dissonantly. But sometimes dissonance is necessary. And so to, to put a little story bow on my, on my story, oh God, that was terrible. To put a bow on my story, um, my, like my dad was very resistant. And in, 
hindsight now that he is in that facility is grateful because now he doesn't have to take care of himself he's able to rely on people to take care of him and is now better for it and it's tough to both give care when someone is resistant but also to receive care when you're not ready and i just i I wanted to lift that up and and bless anyone who is grappling with having to give care to someone who doesn't wish for the type of care that you're trying to give them and also for anyone who is resistant to care i want to make sure we bless them as well which brings us to moment five and so i want to bless ezrin and callum um for this whole conversation around calling harrow dad and and ezrin says like why don't you call him dad i think he would if he wanted to and again this just reminds me of how hard it is to receive love to receive care and it's just that Stephen Chbosky quote we accept the love we think we deserve and care receiving can be just as difficult as caregiving and Ez is a fabulous caregiver like with bait with his pets with Callum it's just beautiful and then when he when when Callum finally does get his voice back from Viren from you know the Ursula moment it just like I just oh my god it's chills because he yells king and then he yells dad and this is this is the last thing he yells before whatever goes down with Harrow does go down and I, I really want to to bless Callum for accepting that love and for for claiming Harrow as his father and it takes a lot of personal work to accept love like this and it just makes me feel really warm and fuzzy and so I don't know if you have a blessing that you'd like to offer one of these characters. Uh, I would love to hear it. Like, tell us, send us a voicemail at thearcofe at gmail.com. Find us at bnb underscore pod on Instagram, on TikTok, on all the things. And find us on Facebook. And remember, we have a Patreon in which you can support the podcast to help us continue to do things like this. And we also have really cool things where we do live episodes once a month. We have a Facebook group that's limited to patrons where we have episode discussions. Patrons help choose lenses for future episodes and more. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on there. So don't be scared to check out the Patreon at BNB underscore pod. But for now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. And then we will be right back with our lens MVP and our moment of gratitude. Thank you for your time, and thank you for listening, and we'll see you back in a minute. Welcome back to the Bending Not Breaking Extraordinary Ending sequence that we have, which is where we have our Lens MVP for the Dragon Prince edition, and then we have our Moment of Gratitude. So first and foremost, the Lens MVP this week goes out, at least my nomination for the Lens MVP is definitely Ezrin. 
And there's this this moment with Callum where we discussed earlier. It just seals the deal for me. It just it's I find it so beautiful that that Ez can welcome Callum so wholly as his brother, and also say like invite Callum to say it if he wanted to. Like he didn't say just call him dad. He said I think you could. I think he would want you to if you wanted to. And I think that's what seals the deal for me. It's just it's so beautiful and I'm really grateful for Ez. And so who is your nomination for the Lens MVP for caregiving? Who is the the best caregiver or the one who is best receiving care? What do you think? Send us a voicemail. We'd love to hear about it. Thearchivy at gmail.com. And finally, that brings us to our closing segment, which is which is gratitude. And gratitude is the best practice that we can practice because it cultivates joy and it helps us be better and it's it's just great. I'm a fan. I love gratitude. And in this episode, I, I'm grateful for Soren. I'm, I'm so grateful because we talked about it briefly, but he stands guard for King Harrow all day. He gets shot with an arrow and proceeds to charge forth into this battle. He puts himself on the line. He's at risk for someone else, and he's standing in solidarity with the rest of the guards during the day, and He's not above any of them, but rather with them. And I just I find it really admirable that Soren is in this position. And so in this episode, I'm really grateful for Soren. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have his, his witness and his experience to bear. Ooh, okay. So that has been this episode of the Dragon Prince edition for Bending Not Breaking. And again, this has been Ben Pruitt. And remember, we have our social medias, all the things, BNB underscore pod. Remember to check out our Patreon. And then also I want to offer a thank you to the Arc of E, to Alex Mayfield, Noah Blanchard, Kira Martin, and Max Conkleware. Thanks again, and until next time, be well and do good.